Welcome to Closer to Venus. I'm Johnny Burke. Today's guest is Claire Moorcraft. She is a sex and pleasure shaman. She helps people become unstuck and fully reclaim their erotic power. Claire, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's great to have you. So what is shamanism? So shamanism, first thing to understand, is it's very inclusive. It's not a religion. It's a way of observing and living life from your authentic nature of your very being. It's a, it's one of the oldest ancient wisdom traditions, and it's based on a few premises or a fundamental understanding of we are not separate. And there's a great reverence and respect for life, for the earth, for the animals, and for other people as well. That's consistent with what we hear people in the metaphysical space talk about a oneness is that the separateness is an illusion, right? Yes. A common understanding of shamanism is that it is a way of contacting the spirit world, is it not? Yes, shamans work with the invisible realm, so that we're often described as a bridge, so we can operate in this 3D world of physical reality of matter, and we can also operate in the invisible realm of energy, where we have access to angels and spirit guides and the spirits, and we can make changes in that world as well that can bring healing and empowerment to our clients. It sounds like something similar to what mediums can do. Yes. A different way of getting there? Yes, a different way of getting there. Shamans tend to work more, I'm not a medium, so obviously I can speak with the spirits and converse with them, but shamans tend to work with more on their energy field. It's more of a way of bringing healing to clients. So what we're doing is we're looking in somebody's energy field and we're looking for where the energy is stuck. And we get information from spirits or helpers or helper team. I'm connected to the Caro lineage from Peru. So I get help from their lineage of luminous medicine men and women that flow through me that help advise me about where the energy is stuck in somebody. Okay, and what is needed to make changes in the invisible realm in order that that will track down through the mental body, through the emotional body, and then down in the physical body, which is the densest form. How did you find yourself on this path? I first heard the calling actually when I was about 26 and I didn't answer the call. And anyone can become a shaman, but you don't decide. It's the spirits that decide. And I remember I picked up a book from the Four Winds Society who I trained with and I was like, I just knew I had to kind of do this. But at the time I was scared and afraid and, you know, my dad was like, don't do that. And everyone around me was like, no, that's crazy. I was a scientist in the pharmaceutical industry. So it was a complete change of a way of being. And so I didn't answer the call. And so then I ended up staying in the the scientific realm. So I was a sales rep for medical companies, like really, really successful, had London territories, poured in millions of pounds of business. But I was always really unhappy. And in the background, I had an eating disorder and also addiction. And then I picked up a chronic illness that I couldn't heal by Western standards. And then I just knew then it was the time nothing else has worked so let's answer the call let's say yes to spirit and then let's go off and then train in you know shamanic healing techniques and let's see if that will work I like the fact that you were kind of part of that whole scientific community because you were around it all the time. And this is something which is more in the spiritual realm. And I think what a lot of us are trying to do is bridge the gap between the two. Did that have anything to do with your decision to follow the path that you're on now? 
Yeah, I'm glad I had that that grounding. I started my career off in sort of drug discovery and I like how I could see how all the different systems in the body work together and then how an external compound, you know, made a difference in the physical body. And then I was a medical devices sales rep, so I used to go into theatres and watch them cut out parts of people's body in order to heal. But afterwards, I did a lot of oncology, cancer work, like really difficult cases like Crohn's disease, IBS, colorectal kind of surgery, a lot of gynecology as well, actually. I would ask the surgeons, afterwards so what's the recovery rate and stuff and actually the recovery rates weren't as good as I thought they would be and they could often predict whether a patient would do well depending on how on their attitude and other factors so it was really interesting and then I'd always really been interested in healing you know my mum's a witch but I kind of like turned my back on that you know it's not cool to do what your mum does but as a child I remember playing with fairies so I've always been really interested but I think I was also really scared to answer the call because it was so different to my conditioned reality it was so different to what my parents wanted me to do and what society wanted me to do and you know I was really good at it I would work for Pfizer I've always had like really high powered sort of successful jobs but I was always desperately unhappy and none of them ever really fitted who I was okay so you mentioned that your mom was a witch Mm -hmm. how old were you when you actually came to realize that my mum came at it fairly later in life but I remember sitting in the garden with her kind of opening the circle in the Wiccan tradition I must have been about 11 or 12 around that age and then we'd celebrate the equinox and things like that and my mum reads tarot cards as well so she'd always read my tarot cards and things but I don't think it's very good to read stuff for family I would agree with that someone asked me about past life and the question was, do you really want to find out who your family and friends were in your previous life? And I thought, I don't know about that. Maybe we can <laughs> skip over that part. But I, I think that's a similar circumstance. So your mom was a witch, but she didn't want you following the path of the shaman. She's not that keen on shamanism, actually. That's not her thing. Yeah, so it's really interesting. I think they meld the two because although I'm connected to the Caro tradition and they're in Peru, so the seat of the power comes from Mount Asangati, because I'm a Westerner and I'm English as well, so I really feel the power of the land here. England's a beautiful land, really magic, full of like paganism, old magic, and you can really feel it when you come here. So I work with the spirits and the magic of the land too and the seas that are here. So I kind of blend the two and then sometimes when I'm working, like if I'm in a really gnarly space or I really need it the witch archetype will just pop into me and all of a sudden you know the witch is like fierce she's like this non-dual being of this is how it is you know she eats children for breakfast type of thing so when I really need that really strong kind of witch energy that archetype will pop in as well and I wonder that if that's that connection through my mother's line. When people talk about the traditions and paganism and fairies. I think it's interesting. There's definitely a difference between the medium camp and the shamans, even though they try to contact spirit. It's just a different method, right? Some shamans I know are very, very medium orientated. So they'll often go into trance and spirits will kind of pop into them and they'll speak as if they are as the spirit channeling and they won't often have a recollection of it. That tends not to be my flavor. Every shaman will be different and work differently. My work is more in the realm of a shadow. I would probably say I'm a shadow worker. Given my background and the amount of trauma that I've experienced in my life, my path has been really to illuminate the shadow, the hidden, the rejected, the suppressed parts of ourselves. There's a bit of a contrast between the shadow worker and what we know as the light worker, but it doesn't sound like the shadow worker are like the bad guys, right? 
I hope not. No, the shadow workers are like the ones that are illuminating the shadow. We are like the champions because the shadow is not wrong or it's not bad. And the gold is contained in the shadow. And the shamans really, really understand this. Whenever you're working with a client, you're looking at what was a lesson that their client needed to learn in this situation in order for it not to repeat again or in order that they can move on. Because once you get the lesson, you you learn the lesson, you move on. And then what is the gold in this? There's always a gift. These places where we're stuck or where the energies held these parts these pieces will always have a gift for us as well it's usually a gift of empowerment one of my greatest gifts from dealing with the the stuff that has gone on in my life like a diagnosis of complex ptsd anorexia depression suicide self-harm i've had quite a traumatic background like one of my gifts that has come from it is the ability to actually be able to play again and that's one thing you'll see often with shamans they're very light and they're very fun and they really kind of carry that magical aspect which is basically returning to being natural. Someone told me recently that many of us are not of this earth and uh, a lot of us had lives on different planets. And when we came here, we forgot our true powers, our true nature. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Well, shaman translates as one who knows. So I always think that one who knows themselves as God, one who knows himself as spirit, one who knows himself as love. If you're looking for eternal truths, one of my mentors, Panash Desai, summed it up really, really simply. You are God. God is love. You are love. Only love is real. That pretty much sums up. <laughs> but that's the important part, though. The most important principle, anyway. When did you discover that you wanted to be a sex and pleasure shaman? So part of my healing journey was reclamation of pleasure as well. So I did my shamanic training I was also led on then to look at like the sex and the pleasure piece as well so I have sexual trauma in my history which really impacted my ability to be able to be in my body to be with my body and to receive pleasure for me that kind of reclaiming my power was also reclaiming my pleasure is it true then if we overindulge in sex just purely for pleasure do we exhaust our true nature in the process or is that not necessarily true can you overindulge in pleasure with be my question. I think there's a lot of societal conditioning around pleasure. It's quite a courageous path to take on a life of pleasure and put pleasure first because often people don't understand it and it will challenge their belief systems. I think it depends on the definition as well. Often people think of pleasure in terms of like maybe kind of hedonism or anything like that or maybe in terms of the pursuit of messy love. I think most of the problems in this world are due to the pursuit of messy love where your lower parts, your messy parts are intact with somebody rather than it coming from a place of love and your higher parts entangling with somebody and so maybe in that instance if you're using it as a distraction most people have some form of addiction it's just a distraction from being present because there's certain things that certain feelings a certain pain in your past that you maybe don't want to feel so if you're using it in that way or in a way that can hurt or harm or upset other people, then I would say that was not true pleasure. That is something else. I think it's a really good way to describe it because someone who is some kind of an addict isn't doing it because they're trying to forget something else. How do we harness the sexual energy to manifest what we desire? So that's sex magic. That's fun (laughs) because it involves orgasm. That was a Red Hot Chili Peppers album, wasn't it? (laughs) It was. I think it was, yes. When we talk about this, the first thing I think of is hedonism or a movie about Caligula. That's not the goal, obviously. Well, I work with sex magic by myself. So I do a self-pleasure practice every day and I'm at least two hours in the morning. And so a self-pleasure practice is a way of 
connecting with my body. Basically, to me, self-pleasure is acceptance. So to be at peace in the world, you have to be at peace with everything that's going on inside of you and everything that's going on outside of you. And so you're working with your own body, with your own nervous system, and you're working to to turn yourself on, to arouse yourself, and then you're looking for some form of nervous system relaxation and opening. It could be a good cry, a good scream and opening, or it could be an orgasm. It looks very different every day. And you can then work with the magic. You can work with your own internal magic to see the vision that spirit wants to give to you. And you can work with bringing that vision into your body down, like you work in the different chakras and stuff. And then you work through where the resistances are. And then you can birth that basically you fuck it through your genitals out into the world. So there's a specific practice that you can do in order to be able to create the visions, the gifts that spirit shows you. So you gotta use it for business, you can use it to birth books, you can use it to birth lovers, like whatever it is that you're you're desiring. Can you give us an example of let's say a couple that comes to see you? They're curious about what you do. How would you explain it? And if you got the vibe that they really need help, what would you suggest? Well, I usually get people on a call with me. We'll go through like what are their desires for their sex lives and then what are the challenges that are in the way of that. So most people usually come with like a huge list of problems and then also they're very clear about what it is they want. They just don't know how to get there. Depending on how long they wanted to work with me, I do eight months programs and then like a longer six month container and then a year container as well, depending on how long that person or that couple needs my support for then I would teach them how their own bodies are wired for pleasure because not everybody's wired for pleasure in terms of how society tells us we're wired for pleasure so you could be wired more energetically you could be wired more sensually or you could be wired more with kink there are many different ways that we can arouse ourselves and open up our own bodies and our nervous system so I will teach them that with couples as well it's a little bit different because usually by the time a couple comes to see you there's a lot of resentments that have built up so then it's often teaching them empathy a lot of communication skills and they have to each know their own body and their own nervous system how they're each wired for pleasure so there's a lot of kind of self-pleasure practice that I teach people and I will body map them so I'll take them through their whole body because different areas of the body are wired differently so they've got a map of arousal and a map of turn on and they've also got a languaging that they can speak to each other for their turn on and arousal and so once we've got to that point when they get them to feed themselves I get them to also feed each other and then we kind of really mine into the shadows so what are the breaks on sexuality most people there's a lot of conditioning from society around sexuality thank you to the victorians <laughs> they've done us a great disservice i think it's a lot of removing like with kink there's more of the shame aspect of it so each of the different wiring types there's five different types there's energetic there's sensual there's sexual there's kinky and then there's the shapeshifter which is a combination of the first four each of the different erotic types, and this is based on Jaya, Jaya's erotic blueprint, each of the different types has their own specific shadow. And so it's often working with the shadows depending on their type that shows up. And then with couples, it's working on the parts and the resentments that, that show up between the couple. And a lot of it is like taking the brakes off your sexuality so you can fully enjoy yourself, you can fully open up and you can be fully turned on and know what it feels like to live in pleasure. And then comes 
is the fun bit afterwards then when we look at like okay well we're here now like how do you want to expand how do you want to grow and then I finish with giving them a map for great sex for a lifetime because they want to be able to continue on the journey like I tell all my clients like sexuality is a journey it's like a continual expansion and unfolding there's so many places you can learn and grow in sexuality I think what you described is really kind of the healing of the shame and the guilt around sex and pleasure which obviously is going to open us up in other areas of our life if someone were to come to you without knowing they have some kind of a sexual block or whatever but were drawn to your practice how would you approach them the people that seem to be attracted to me are generally fairly spiritual high achievers rising leaders and people tend to know what the breaks are or they know where they have an issue they might not know how to deal with it or exactly where the energy is held because when you're working shamanically what you're doing is removing foreign energies from people's systems and so foreign energies could be parts of ourselves they're usually childhood younger parts of ourselves where there was some form of traumatic event or emotional event where at that time we couldn't deal with it we didn't have the resources so it just gets stuck in the system and these parts of us will get triggered and pop up you know how you can watch people when you're with them they their face shape changes their voice changes they can suddenly kind of shrink or into like a, a childhood version of them or a teenage version of them so we've got these parts of ourselves that are still influencing us then we've got our previous sub-personalities and these from from usually from traumatic past lives and then you've got the ancestors so these are our ancestral lineage and these the ancestral patternings and burdens are still influencing us today as well there is a definite component of the past lives ancestors it's a past life isn't it you can track it back from the mother line and the father line and then if you're adopted you also get your adopted parents line like i had a stepdad so i get his line too so it's not just your birth parents that can influence you like i had a a time when my stepdad's war trauma was unwinding from the fascia in my body so i have direct experience of that I carry that his ancestral trauma as well there's still foreign energies in the system in held in the energy field they're still influencing us today I would say also to make it really effective is parts work in a child work as well that's like I found it's the combination of those three with pleasure as well that is really amazing at bringing uh, transformation and healing The foreign energies that you spoke of, is that the same thing as a past life or is that a different type of entity altogether? No, same thing. They're basically, a foreign energy is energy stuck in the system that doesn't belong to you in this lifetime that is influencing you in some form, some shape or some way. From the shamanic perspective, traumatic past lives or these patterns that come from the ancestors get held in the energy field as an imprint, they call it. And an imprint, I always think of it like on a computer screen you're double clicking an icon and it kind of shows up and takes over the whole screen and it has like a series of commands so this happens and you act in this way so often you'll know when an imprint is at play if afterwards you're like oh my god like why did I behave like that again I told myself I wouldn't eat that cake again but I just can't seem to help it you know I got stressed at work and then I found myself like having eaten like sweets and cakes and stuff and now I feel awful that's often a sign of an imprint at play a repeating pattern of a behavior that you promise that you want to stop and you're going to stop but you don't seem to be able So what does a session look like? I think a lot of us are interested in seeing how you actually contact spirit. 
So uh, a shamanic session would look like a client comes to me, I will open sacred space. So I work with the seven directions, then I open my Wiraculture, and then I'll call in all my spirit guides, my helper team, the Carolinid, and then the angels. And I work with a few other different forms of energies as well. So I will call in all of my helpers. And then what I will do is I will ask a client questions just so I can get a track on the energy. So I go into a trance and I'm tracking the energy and like verbal things like people will talk to me and the words will have a certain form of resonance or I'll sniff like my jaguar be like there's something in that and then so I'm looking where the energy is held so I look from four different levels I look on the physical body how is it impacting the physical body I look on the emotional energetic how is it impacting that then I'll look at the level of the soul okay what's going on here what's their lesson what do they need to learn and then I'm looking at what's happening from the level of spirit where's the energy stuck what needs to be shifted and from that my helpers will be like okay you need to do this this I could do an extraction sometimes you need to extract a foreign energy or an entity sometimes you need to do like a cord cutting often people miss cords to past life it just really depends and so there'll be some form of maybe drumming I work a lot with my breath so I tend to see where the energy is held in knots and I can blow them apart and I work with the chakra system usually an imprint will be affecting one particular chakra as well and then it's just a process of working with the client then to get them engaged and then get them to remove the energy so the spirits are working through me it's like a co-creation between all three of us Um, and then the energy will move and then once the energy is shifted then it's a process of your energy has shifted what do we need to do now to bring this down into the material world how do we anchor this in your everyday reality it's like there was one map one way of looking at the world where where you had the problem and it was like a bit small and confining and then now we've just like opened up the map so we've maybe we've added on like a watering hole or another oasis or something so it's reorientating the client now back into reality so they can manifest their new behavior their new way of being in the world is it possible that someone that comes to see you and goes through the process can they basically have a shamanic journey or a session on their own or does that take a lot of training no you can train to do shamanic journeying i mean that's a pretty simple one to do actually anybody could buy you there's like drumming tracks on youtube if you don't know what you're doing you need a guide really or some track that you're listening to in order to be able to guide you because there's certain ways of of entering depending on which kind of world whether you're working in the upper world or the lower world or the middle world depending on where you want to journey for which purpose anyone who's has an imagination who's really interested in this can find tracks on youtube and listen to them and go and experience a shamanic journey for themselves this reminds me a little a bit about what someone was telling me about astral projection. Is this similar to that? They think it's good to clarify a shamanic journey versus a shamanic healing session. So if you're having a shamanic healing session, or you need to go on someone or to go and see someone who is a shaman, or you then you really need to grow through some rigorous training if you want to do healing on yourself in that way or for other people, because you have to know what you're doing. In terms of going on a shamanic journey, for me, I switch into a trance state. And so it's my spirit form that travels. So I'm traveling, I'm traveling in the 
invisible realm. So I guess it could be similar to astral traveling. I've never thought about it in that way. I guess it's a similar, but it's it's a conscious thing. Well, it's a conscious thing because there are those people that propose that astral traveling means you actually leave your body while you're dreaming or in, in various states. And there are those that propose that actually your consciousness is traveling. So if it were the latter and it's basically a consciousness traveling to different worlds or different realms, would that be closer to what you do or... I'm not entirely sure because I haven't explored the astral traveling realms. For me, it's my spirit body that's traveling. So it's a spirit body. So that's more homework for the rest of us. Because I think people that are interested in that are going to sooner or later go down the the shaman route. They're going to at least want to know what it is. It sounds to me like they're just all different routes different modalities to kind of get to the same goal. Gandhi, I think he was the one that said all the different religions, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, everything else, they're all branches on a tree that lead to the same thing. Yeah. Would that make sense that past life regression and astral projection and shamanism and mediumship are different methods to meet spirit, talk to spirit, clear energy and so forth? Yeah, I think it very much depends on what direction that spirit calls you to move in, how it wants to manifest through you, what it is that you're interesting and draws you. But I think what people are looking for is that eternal truth to know themselves as God, to know themselves as love, you know, to know that love is all there is. Just about everyone, actually everyone I talk to can agree on the same thing that in the end, love is all there is. Yeah. Either that or all John Lennon fans, I guess. (laughs) No, it's true. But what they're looking for is a direct experience, right? This is what you're looking for. You want a direct experience of yourself as God, because everyone can tell you these things, or we have these words or these labels. And it's one thing to understand it from a cognitive perspective, but it's a totally different thing to have an experience of it, to know it deep inside of yourself and yourselves to really understand who you are. Sounds really interesting. And it, it sounds like fun. I hope. It is. It is fun. It, it sounds like it. Astral projection to some people is a little scary because the first experience isn't always the best, but apparently it does get better. So when someone experiences that journey, do we have the same type of experience where it tends to get a little bit better the more they do it? It's so different for everybody. Like a shamanic healing session is a different experience for everyone. Sometimes you can feel amazing afterwards and things like immediately shift. And sometimes there's a process of like integration where there's been some repressed emotions and things will still move through you for the next three or four days it, it really depends but what there is always is a sense of a held space there being no judgment and you're being held in a space of love it's that holding of somebody and just loving them you're loving them and you're seeing them as a conscious being you're seeing them in their buddha nature you're holding that space for them so that they can then get a direct experience of that for themselves and that's when they begin to wake up shamanism is often called the path of beauty and the path of empowerment what type of person can a shaman not help what type of situations rather a shaman can help in any situation so one of my teachers always jokingly says if you get bitten by a snake go to the er 
and get treated, but then also go and see your shaman to find out why it happens so you don't have to repeat that experience again. I guess it's good to clarify what you mean by help. I guess people that don't want to be helped, you have to be open to this. You have to want to be able to be involved in the process. You have to really be able to open up and then to bring healing into your life. As long as they're willing to do that, then it's probably going to be worth their while then. Yeah, if they're willing to do that and they're willing to receive the help, that's the other thing. They have to be willing to receive the help that's available to them. Then, yeah, sure, it can help them. Excellent. Claire, thanks so much for joining us today. How can our listeners find you online? So you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram, on LinkedIn. So my name is spelled Claire, C-L-A-I-R-E-M-O-O-R-C-R-A-F-T. That's Claire Moorcraft. Okay, I will put those links in the show notes. You've been listening to Closer to Venus. I'm Johnny Burke. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing. If you really liked it, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.